So fall sports are starting to get underway. Other than football, there's so much. Uh, I love this time of year. Um, so it's pretty exciting. And uh, not only football, but I'm getting back into high school volleyball. So that's going to be fun. Um, when does that start? You guys started right uh, We're starting on the starts? 12th. We're doing trials oh, you're on the 12th. Even, you're before high school football even gets going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. We are. Uh, I've, and I spent 10 years at one school. Now I'm over at a new. I'm over at Brighton High School now. So Go Bengals. Uh, pretty excited for a new. A new. I spent 10 years at Skyline, and now this will be my first year somewhere else. So it's going to be pretty exciting. So Sweet. Shout out to all the college programs out there. They're getting going, too. Yeah. Uh, we've got, actually, I'm going to get on my soapbox here, Jake. Um, right. We've got. No one would know it, but there's a great volleyball collegiate uh, pedigree here, I would guess I would call it here in uh, Utah. We've got so many programs as far as colleges go, and yeah. uh, they're all great. So good luck to Coach Lanier at Utah, Coach DeBose at Utah State, um, BYU, obviously, Coach Larson at Weber State. Don't forget Coach Olmstead down there. Coach the Olmstead, world, I was spacing on her name. Okay. Good old Heather. Yeah, Heather. Uh, I was like, all I need to know is one of the brother or the sister, and I'll get it right. <laughs> uh, Coach Olmstead and uh, Coach Reynolds at Snow. Okay. Coach Atoa at UVU and Coach uh, is it Hoyer? I think at SUU. So shout out to all those all those coaches getting ready. I really only knew Utah, Utah State, and BYU's coach. Aha, so I outknew you for one thing. Hey, you're right though. The but there's ball, a lot of sports kicking off, and it's fun. Yeah, it's great. And obviously, we care about football, basketball, and all that, but. Well, hey, uh, if you've been to the Shake Shack since it opened, I guess today, let us know how it is. I've never been there. I've had a buddy who lived on the East Coast growing up, and mm-hmm. like, it is like his favorite joint in the entire world. I assume it's like the East Coast version of In-N-Out, where everybody on the West is obsessed with In-N-Out, That's what I kind of and they don't have it on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Do you hear that story in New York? Yeah, one just they just found popped up on the street. They found one on the road, and uh, I guess the story was some uh, a girl was in California on vacation. She uh-huh. Loaded up her bag and flew back, and then it fell out of her bag or something. Still fascinating. But that's <laughs> that's our news cycle these days. Yeah. It's rallies and it's uh, and it's in and out burgers on the side of the road. <laughs> hey, hey, do what you got to do, right? But uh, yeah, uh, let us know. I guess shoot a shoot a tweet over to Hatch. He wants to know if he should go there on his way home today. Oh, I'm not going there on my way home. No, thank you. I don't want to deal with that. I kind of want to drive. You know how on like. Um, Black Friday, when you don't go in, you just maybe drive by the store to see what the crowds are like. I know it's way more subdued these days. It's not this well. At least it seems around Salt Lake that it used to be. It used to be worse, like yeah. stampede and yes. trample each other and try to get that. Oh yeah, punch somebody so you can get that seventy-two inch flat screen. But uh, I assume that's what it's going to be like. The most insane. I know we got to actually talk sports, but the most insane. We opening got three for, hours for that. True. Jake. Okay. Whatever. But we have. In terms of opening of a restaurant, I grew up in Orem, Utah. Most people know this. I and you know the Krispy Kreme is out on University Parkway there in Orem. Again, Jake, I okay, don't past, know sorry, much. It's, pa- past, it's past the 114th yeah. South. Sorry, no, I know what it is. Yeah, right by UVU there. So when that opened, that was the first Krispy Kreme in the state. I actually think it might be the last one now. All, all the ones have closed. When that there might be one out by me on oh, is there Fort one by Union. You? Okay, is that one still over there? Do you know you kind of live in that area? So the one on Fort Union and like 13th East, that yeah. one closed down. But oh, there okay. is one that just recently opened near oh. Southtown, I believe. Oh, okay. okay. Anyway. So, so this one opened. It was the first one in Utah. People were freaking out about it. So you got that if anybody knows where that Krispy Kreme is at on University Parkway, it goes down that hill, there, down towards the I-15. Mm-hmm. 
that line for that restaurant went all the way down that hill, and there's a Walmart at the bottom of the hill. Mm-hmm. It curled around the corner and went up past the Walmart. It was over a quarter mile long. To get some donuts. To get some donuts. I rode my bike. I lived about a block away from where that was at. I rode my bike over, and the church I attended growing up was across the street from that Krispy Kreme. I sat in the church parking lot and just watched people just filter through that line. It took hours for people to finally get those donuts, but they were just standing in line. I hate lines. Like I, I saw some. I couldn't believe it. I saw some uh, some video from like the Lollapalooza. That's good. I think where is that going down in Chicago? Yeah, the lines are insane. I, I would just think, well, I'm not going anymore. I guess I'm just going to eat this ticket price because <laughs> I can't stand here. Yeah, I, I hate know. lines. I've actually been where they have Lollapalooza, like the land it's on. It's actually a pretty sweet location, but getting into it is just a nightmare. There was a, I guess there was a group of people who did the Area 51 style. They rushed the fence. and They did the Naruto. They, well, they didn't do the Naruto, oh, but okay. everybody went for it, and no one could stop them. So oh, Hey, there's, a, there's that thought. Like They can't stop us all. Yes, uh, it worked at Lollapalooza, I guess. I'm sure they all got arrested and thrown out. But uh, anyway, uh, we're we're on till four o'clock today. We're gonna uh, we're gonna talk some camps, some NBA, mm-hmm. um, a big signing, I guess, in the NBA this morning. Yeah, that we should uh, get into or an extension. I guess. An extension, yeah. but um, it is of note yes. because it was a question mark around this that player. So mm-hmm. we'll get into that. Um, we're going to talk fall camp. Obviously, Jake has been down at every BYU. Uh, Availabilities so far mm-hmm. of the three, and uh, he uh, had a one-on-one with um, Gunnar Romney. Gunnar Romney, and also BYU wide receivers coach Fessy Satake. We'll get Fessy to Fessy Satake. Um, obviously, a very popular coach around here, as he came from Weber, Weber, and headed down to BYU. We also want to let you hear from Mark Harland a little bit mm-hmm. later. Uh, athletic director for the University of Utah. If you didn't hear that, a lot of great information. Yes, I was actually very impressed with his candid and honest answers mm-hmm. to DJ and PK's questions, and uh, he answered what he could, and he was honest about it. Some interesting stuff, including uh, the future of scheduling and the the uh, TV deal that the that the Pac-12 is under, and he had some he had you know he had some admissions and. Thought, you know, well, it's really interesting stuff. Yeah, he was very frank about what happened with the Pac-12 network, some yeah. of the situations in the Pac-12 right now. I, I'm with you. It was it was refreshing to hear an athletic director come out and just kind of own the failings of the conference and et cetera. Yeah. And I, it was nice to hear because he's a guy who has been around this conference. He was the number two guy at UCLA. He was like the associate athletic director when this Pac-12 was expanded. The Pac-12 network came about. So he's got a unique perspective on it, and he spoke very straight and honest. And he was just—he was very upfront about the whole deal. So I, we'll get yeah. to that. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot to do today. So hopefully, y'all want to hang around. All y'all, as Gordon Monson would say, you want to hang around and All uh, y'all. stick with us. Uh, let's start with camps, Jake. Okay. For um, you know, there's a lot of hype going into all these camps this year for all these teams for various reasons. But our guys are flying around, right? I don't. You don't really Energy's learn. High. Yeah, you don't really learn much <laughs> from fall camp availability, especially with um, University of Utah. That They're you're not, motivated to prove themselves. Yeah, you're not going to see a lot at the University of Utah this year, uh, obviously. But uh, BYU, I guess you're not going to see a ton as they the last ten minutes are. So yesterday at BYU, I watched punting practice. Right. So we're not. You don't learn a, a lot from. Um, observing, but you can pick out the little tidbits as mm-hmm. uh, the coaches and players speak. 
Um, we'll get into Utah in a second because obviously there is news yes. still with transfers and players coming off of inter- uh, injuries and all that. But start at BYU, Jake. Have you what have you learned from your observation and talking with the coaches? Um, there, I think there's some created. I don't want to call it controversy, but created things maybe people are thinking there might be a, a QB battle and controversy but based on some of the things that Kalani said yesterday um, I think I saw it was you tweeting about it and said we have a program to get him ready for kickoff on game one well that to me says there's not much of a controversy no. at the quarterback position but what have you learned as you've been down there I the biggest thing I have learned about uh, BYU so far is that they expect Zach Wilson to be healthy and ready to go. That was yeah. a big conversation piece throughout the offseason about, okay, he's rehabbing from shoulder surgery. Will it be ready to go? Uh, when he takes that first hit, will it hold up? Blah, 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 blah. He has come out and said, and he, I asked the question the first time we talked to him on Wednesday night. I said, how's his shoulder? And his first response was solid. He said he's good to go. He felt like he would be able to play if the Utah game was the next day. Um, we did ask him, okay, you, and I asked him also the question, are you looking forward to taking that hit for the first time and seeing how it holds up? He's like, not quite yet. Mm-hmm. He said, for me, he, the way he described it, he said for him in practice, he's more focused on his, his the fundamentals. But when he gets in a game and he's got a 280-pound defensive lineman bearing down on him, he says his instincts kind of take over, and that's that's when you just start playing football. And that's right. what he said he's waiting for that kind of scenario before he actually takes a hit. So. I think the biggest thing is the. it sounds like Zach Wilson is healthy. Everybody talking down there said he's healthy, and if you would expect that from them. But like you said, there were there's. I, I don't believe that there's a quarterback controversy in any way, shape, or form down there. It's going to be Zach Wilson's team, barring something popping up that's going to preclude him from being able to be that guy. But I do expect he's going to be able to go out and show what he can do. So, Do you think that because of – we remember Kalani's – uh, comments a couple years ago on uh, after the season end, or I think it was maybe it was media days or something. But he he told someone here on the station that he's never going to do that again, where he just hands the job to somebody. Yeah. But at a certain point, aren't you just manufacturing that to try to prove that you are doing that? Well, what I know about Zach Wilson is he'll almost manufacture his own. Right. Um, I agree. His with own that. motivation, just because that's the type of kid he is. But I do know this: is, the BYU coaching staff. Had Zach Wilson been uh, slow to recover from the shoulder surgery, if anything were to pop up in fall camp, they are would be no hesitation to, to give the job to Jaron Hall. They feel like he is a guy who is very capable. They feel like he's a guy that could lead this team and ha- be successful. He's a little bit different of a quarterback than Zach Wilson is, maybe more of an athlete mm-hmm. uh, to a degree than Zach Wilson. That's not to say Zach Wilson's not an athlete. We've seen his athleticism right. on the field. But they would have no hesitation putting Jaron Hall in. I think they're going to let Jaron Hall uh, push Zach Wilson all fall camp. They're going to give him plenty of reps, keep him in, engaged. And I would expect during the season, you see Jaron Hall come in in certain packages. They're going to use him. So I think having a guy like that that is chomping at the bit that's right on your heels, that's only going to make Zach Wilson think, okay, i got to be on top of my game. But do you put him into more than four games? Well, he he already redshirted last year. Oh, he did. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're, you're going to use him, they, and they've said as much. Aaron Roderick at BYU Media Day when he's asked about Jaron Hall says we have plans to use him this fall with Zach on the field and without Zach on the field. He said we're going to use him. Do you expect that competition to be close, even if they let Jaron push him? Mm. We've heard a lot of great things about Jaron Hall. Yeah, I, I okay. Close is all relative. 
Zach Wilson's the guy. Right. Until proven otherwise, he is the guy. And what we saw down the stretch of last season, that bowl game where he was perfect throwing the ball, 18 of 18, he looked phenomenal. So you, the ball is his. You, you hand him the, the start, and if he proves that he's not the guy, then Jaron Hall gets that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I don't think close – I think it's relative because I think it's very clear that Zach Wilson is the guy, but they're going to let Jaron Hall kind of nip at his heels making, and make Zach think, okay, I can't slip at all because this guy will come up and take my job. And uh, you also had a chance to uh, talk with Jeff Grimes as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was, and we may let you hear from that later. Yeah. Um, but your observation of that was that he is very complimentary of some of his guys down yeah, there. Yeah. So Jeff Grimes is a guy that he's been at BYU before. He understands the whole situation around what BYU is all about. But this is a guy who left BYU after his time with Bronco Mendenhall, went on to coach a national championship ca- a line at Auburn. Uh, coached at LSU, put multiple guys in the NFL there. Uh, coached Nate Solder, who was a first-round draft pick at Colorado. He's he's coached some of the best offensive linemen in this country. He's a guy who's renowned for his ability to work with offensive lines. And his quote about his offensive line was, and I've got this up here right here, quote, I think we're one of the deepest lines I've had. Hmm. And he put no qualifier on that. He didn't say at BYU. or He said, one of the deepest lines I've had. I'm really pleased with the progress of some of the guys who either didn't start or didn't start all of last year. I think it will be a challenge in some spots just to see who makes the plane. Speaking of the travel roster, they usually carry about 10 offensive linemen that travel with the team and see what our two deep is. Hmm. So that indicates to me he thinks his guys, he's got at least 10 offensive linemen, if not more, pushing that could be potentially starting caliber guys. You know, I think uh, the longer this goes or with this staff, mm-hmm. I think more and more that it was such a smart and uh, shrewd, maybe the word, hiring of Jeff Grimes. Because yep. what did we hear when he was hired? Oh, I mean, the offensive line coaches almost never get to be offensive coordinators. It's always the quarterback coach and blah, 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 and all this. And uh, we'll see what Jeff Grimes can do. But at the same time, what do we say about football? What's the most important place on the field? The two spots, yeah. offensive line and quarterback. Starts and up front. It, it starts up front. And it seems like we're seeing the benefits of hiring an offensive line coach as an offensive coordinator because he's, he's got his fingers on that position. He's not the coach of the offensive line, obviously, but he, has, he knows what's going on in that offensive line. And from one year to the next already – it was kind of a weakness last year, and now all of a sudden it's one of the deepest lines he's ever had. Yeah. And uh, I think that was – now we look back and we say, wow, that's a really smart hire out of Kalani Sitake to bring in an offensive line coach to be an offensive coordinator. Well, and there were question marks if Jeff Grimes could be the guy because he'd never been an offensive right. coordinator. He's a career assistant. Mm-hmm. He'd been a run game coordinator at Boise State, and I think Colorado were the two places he was a run game coordinator. Also actually at um, LSU as well, now that I think about it. But there were questions about, okay, can this guy call an offense? Is he capable of that? And right. I, th- I think he's proven he's been able to do it. Because last year he started out with an offense that was a primarily downhill run play-action offense with Tanner Mangum at the helm. Mid-season they felt like they needed to make a move. They make the move to Zach Wilson, and they immediately switch the offense to a spread set. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of impressive that he showed that ability that six, seven games into a season, guess what? We need to make a switch at quarterback, but we're not going to fit a. We're not going to try and jam a square peg into a round hole here. We're going to fit that round peg, and we're going to build around it. They've built a spread system. There's still going to be plenty of running in this offense. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they're not going to run the ball, but 
the nice part is it shows that Jeff Grimes is adaptable to yeah. who, what he has, and he's not afraid to to speak up when he feels like his guys are ready to go. There's definitely you need to have obviously creativity is yeah. something that you need as an offensive coordinator. But I like the word you used there was adaptability. Yeah, uh, we saw in a at another university <laughs> that there was no adaptability. It was this it has to work or else we're gonna lose. Square peg round right. hole. Yeah. Let's go. So uh, I I've been impressed with what Coach Grimes has been able to do down there and. Interested to see what his offense will look like this year. Now that he feels he has such a deep line, and uh, the running backs sound like sounds like he's impressed with the running backs. Yeah, the other quote about the running backs here. Let me pull it up here. He said that speaking of his running backs, the question was asked of him: Can you get a thousand yard rusher? The last time BYU had a guy go over a thousand yards individually was Jamal Williams, who is now in the NFL with the Green Bay Packers. That was 2016. So it's been three seasons since then. Um, he says, "Quote: I think we certainly could. I think the question about." question will be how many guys deserve to get reps in the game. Last year, and this is the key part right here, last year we played running back by committee because we had to. We didn't have a lot of other options because we had so many injuries. This year we might do it because we have so many options, not because we have to, and that's not a bad thing. It's an interesting uh, switch. Yes, absolutely. So that, they believe in Tyson Williams. They believe in... Uh, Lopini Katoa. Emmanuel Asupa, the other grad they, transfer. They believe in Asupa, and they're going to let everybody have that opportunity. And we'll see. And hey, if that yeah. line's as deep as he thinks, we might see a lot of rushing yards out of this BYU Well, offense. and if anybody's listened to Hans Olsen this offseason, he said BYU's offensive line's going to be the best in the state this year, and I agree with him. He was asked, uh, he came on with Jake and Gordon on uh-huh. Thursday, okay. and Gordon asked him uh, who is the be- in the state best combination of quarterback and offensive line. And he said he's got to go with BYU. Oh, yeah, and man. that might be because of how dominant their offensive line could potentially be. Well, they've got three guys that they think have at least an NFL future, if not more than that, currently on that start in that starting five for BYU. So we'll see. But you're right. If that offensive line comes along and that those running backs are, as Jeff Grimes is proclaiming to be, good enough that they can do running, running back by committee approach because they yeah. can – that's a positive for BYU. It's going to take a lot of pressure off Zach Wilson. I agree. Uh, and up to Utah, um, obviously the news of the week is Manny Bowen. Strange. Deciding <laughs> to, uh, I don't know, retire, I guess we'll call it, but he's leaving the program. Pursuing another business he got a opportunity. Job, I don't understand. But, hey, hopefully it's a great job and best of luck to him. But um, not exactly the greatest timing for the youths if you're that coaching staff. Um it was the kind of year that they were hoping that the transfer and Francis Bernard would be able to kind of bridge the gap between Cody Barton and uh, Chase and uh, Chase Hansen mm-hmm. before, as they got some guys to develop behind Francis and Manny. But Manny decides to move on, and uh, sounds like Francis Bernard is uh, he's going to be a guy that's going to be a big difference maker. But they're going to be relying on Devin Lloyd to step up. And uh, there's a few guys back there that obviously they're going to have to work on their depth, and it's going to have to come along fast. Yes, so it's going to be on all those linebackers in that in that squad to uh, be able to get to game ready because you might have an opportunity. So you, you might as well get yourself there. But they're not going to put you on the field unless you. I mean, we know Kyle; he'll move somebody else before putting somebody who's not ready. Yeah. You know what I mean? He'll he'll yes. move somebody down to linebacker from uh-huh. a different position. Instead of putting somebody who in there who's not ready, yeah, I I would expect that I, I would expect that Devin Lloyd has a big opportunity here. Sounds like people are really well. He's got an NFL. I know body. Alex, you cover Utah a little bit as well, so uh, I think everybody believes Devin Lloyd's going to be a guy. 
he looks the part at the very minimum. Like you look at him walk on the field and you're like, that guy is a linebacker. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. <laughs> no. And he did, you know, he got some reps last year mm-hmm. and things like that, you know, and I think one of the, the things that is a little bit fortuitous, I mean, like the timing's never great when this happens, but you know, I know that some of the coaches are glad that it's, you know, it was before they had invested any of the fall camp reps into Manny Bowen that he decided to leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives Devin Lloyd and some of these other guys the opportunity to get the full amount of reps instead of, well, we play BYU tomorrow and suddenly you're the starter and you've only gotten a handful of reps through all of fall camp. You True. know, it's it, it's it's never ideal, but they're you know they're able to make the best of it. You have a month here to get him ready, like to give him those reps. Yeah, it's it's a great thing there. The other note from Utah that I'm most interested about was was Britton Covey. I don't know if you guys heard these comments mm-hmm. at practice the other day. He used the term, we're a run-first offense, I don't know how many times in his media session. And it's not a bad thing. We all know that Kyle Whittingham is a guy who likes to protect the ball, don't hurt the defense, and give us a chance to win this game. But I was kind of surprised to hear a wide receiver just be like, you know what, this is our identity, and when we have those opportunities, we're going to make the most of them. And that kind of screamed to me, okay, be prepared for a 65%, 35% split of run to pass in my mind. I don't know if that's necessarily what it's going to be, but that makes me think that that's where it's kind of leaning. Well, do it because your best player is your running back. You're right. You're right because you're you're right in that regard. I just wonder that I know Utah fans have forever have wanted a high flying passing game down the field. We're going fifty yards, baby, and and yet the seasons that they've had the most success. You're right in their school's history. They have not thrown it all over the field. True. Yeah. I mean, Alex Smith only Tony threw thirty-eight up, yeah. percent of the time. Yeah, to- and, I remember Tony bringing that up the other day. You know, and uh, the '08 Utes they ran the ball a lot too. So, um, look, if you're a wide receiver, they get the they get the rep of being the guys who always want the ball in their hands because yes. you know it's a lot of work to run a route and then not get the ball. I get it. It's true. But uh, if I say adopt the uh, Kenneth Scott approach, who came on with Jake uh, Jake and Gordon. He said, when I was blocking downfield or we were getting big gains because of Devin Booker, I felt like I was running the ball too. So Sweet. get involved in the run game. Let him go six yards and then catch a, you know, go deep and catch a ball because all of a sudden you're in great throwing positions. Yeah, I, I would expect, and I think Andy Ludwig was a fantastic hire. Let me get that out Oh, of yeah, way. totally. I, he's proven that he can – it's similar to what we talked about with Jeff Grimes, his adaptability to what he has. He's been in Wisconsin. He's been at Vanderbilt. Every place he's been, he's actually run different offense. He went Cal for a while. He's had guys, he looks at what he has, and he uses what he's got available to him. And the players have said, it's nice to have a game plan and know what we're doing. True. That's also true. But but that's to your point. That's the adaptability thing, Zach is that Wilson, they understand Not it. Zach Wilson. Zach Moss is the best player on that offense. I, I don't think any of the three of us here would disagree with that. I think he's the most bona fide star that they have on that offense. So use him. Yeah, I actually think they're going to be able to score some points this year. I'm really. I would agree with that. Even, with, even if it's a run-heavy team, yeah, I, I think they're going to be able to put a lot of points. Oh, well, you pick up chunk yardage in the run game, right. all of a sudden it becomes real easy to pass the ball. Definitely. All right, uh, we'll get more into camp as we go on today. Um, coming up next, the thick and the thin of it, some news stories from around the world of sports, including in the NBA, a big signing today, big extension, as I or I should say, and uh, other news and notes from around the world of sports. That's all coming up here on the Saturday Show. Welcome 
Back Saturday show here on 975-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Adrian Lizer with Jake Hatch and Alex Lundenberg here. Get you through this hot, hot August Saturday. Final, well, last week was the final weekend of July, and now it's mm-hmm. into going back to school and... Uh, yeah, somebody told me the school's sports. back in session like next week. Yeah. That's crazy. How's your oldest? Only three. Oh, so you've got a couple of years yeah. before. Yep. Before you get... Public babysitting. <laughs> public babysitting. I, I'm glad you think so highly of our public of school system. Of course I think very highly. I am a part of it. I was just a joke. Well, uh, we should mention that we are brought to you by Stockton 12 Honda. Yes, we are. Good friends down. 108-60-South uh, Automall Drive down there in Sandy. We'll be there soon. I'm sure in the next week or two. Yeah. It seems like we get down there once, at least once a month, if not more. We love going down there. Yes, we definitely do. Um it's time for the thick and the thin of it here on the Saturday show. A couple stories coming out this morning. The big news of the day in the NBA is the Golden State Warriors and Draymond Green. They reach a four-year, $100 million contract. Draymond got paid. Uh, yes, he did, and uh, good for him. That extension goes 22 and a half, 24, 25.8, and 27.6. Okay. Uh, this, to me, just says yeah. that the Warriors aren't ready to call it a day just because Kevin Durant's gone. No, they're not, but... Here's the thing. Draymond's not as good as he used to be. He's 29 years old. Okay. I think this is a diminishing returns situation. Hmm. Okay. That's just my, that's my maybe my hot take. I don't think he's worth this amount of money because he has not been as good the last year and a half or so, and I feel like you're going to start seeing him decline. He's age 29 this year. We've all seen that you get into those early 30s, and some guys hit a wall, and then they drop off precipitously. Mm-hmm. So I I'm hopeful. Hey, obviously, Golden State is comfortable paying him. Let's get that out of the way. This is just my personal opinion. I feel like this is a diminishing returns investment, and I'm not sure that he's going to be worth that $27.6 million in the final year of that deal. Uh, you might be right. Um, I'm, I'm looking to see if the Durant effect made it so that his hey, stats uh, went down. But your point is well made that last year was probably the, low, the, the least amount of help he's given the Golden State Warriors. Seven points a game, um, seven assists a game, and seven rebounds a game for for yeah. a guy who just got $100 million. Yes. So can he return to the Draymond of old where, you know, a couple of years ago? He's never scored a ton of points in his career, but no. he's done so much for that Warriors team. Well, he's been a defensive player of the year in 2017. He's been on all defensive first or second team for five straight seasons. Yeah. He is the, he's the consummate glue guy. Right. But is that worth? But he needs more than what he gave last year. He needs to bring more than True. what he gave and last it, year. And is that is that is that worth twenty five million dollars on average a year? I think this to me shows that the Warriors are looking to bring back the original three, and they've added D'Angelo uh, Russell to the mix, and they're thinking they can still make a run. Uh, Clay Thompson said, "You know, you get, it, there's nothing that says this dynasty is over. Now the West got harder. Yeah, but I mean, Steph Curry might be the best point guard to ever do it." You might have the best two guard to ever shoot it in Clay Thompson, and uh, Draymond Green's going to be a Hall of Famer. So, and you add D'Angelo Russell into that. Yeah, so Who knows what you're going to get out of this? They team. have four All Star players on this roster. They're locked up for the foreseeable future. Yeah. and of course they're moving to that new arena in downtown San they Francisco. They might be moving D'Angelo too. Who knows? But so the interesting thing about this, I just reading this, the Warriors between those four players, those four All Star players, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, uh, Clay Thompson, and D'Angelo Russell, as it stands right now. They will have one hundred and twenty-nine million 
committed to those four players Wowza. in 2020-2021, and then the following year, $138 million committed to those four. That means they're, they're, they are going to move Russell. I just get that feeling. Joe Lacobe is not averse to paying this um, luxury tax. No. This roster this year, I saw, I saw a stat but a while else back. Who going to be on the team? That's the question. You're going to have a bunch of minimum contract players. You're going to have to find guys that, that are either on the tail end of their career that are ring chasing, et cetera. They're okay taking that veteran's minimum, or you're dealing with your draft picks, your first and second round draft picks who are on those rookie minimum deals that you're comfortable with playing. That's a lot of money to have committed. And guess what? It doesn't look like the Warriors are averse to paying upwards of maybe $300 million with the luxury tax for the foreseeable future when it comes to their salaries. Yeah, they got they signed guys like Alec Burks this year. They got uh-huh. Willie Cauley Stein, which I actually think is a pretty decent pickup by them for the amount they got him for. Yeah, I think and maybe they pickup. can move Draymond to the four and have Cauley Stein start there. So that, possibly that gives them a little size. But you're right, there's not a lot of guys on this team right now. It's just I just look at that amount of money and it just screams to me that in the new day and age, it depends on which ownership you have. Mm-hmm. Lacobe here, Joe Lacobe. Yeah, there's the don't pay it and the go for it. There's a guy that's like, okay, yeah. you know what, we'll just pay it. We're okay with that. And, hey, if it pays off, great. Uh, guys like Kayvon Looney on this team are, have been great players for them. They've yeah. been nice finds in terms of the development that Steve Kerr has made like, in terms of developing guys around his stars. All credit to him. That's just a lot of money to pay for just four guys. It is. It just makes me think they're going to move on from a guy. Well, and uh, In some sort of trade the, scenario. The, the easiest one to pick is D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not on the the Warriors are done train. I, I no, think, they're not. I think that's a. You could argue that because you know, they're getting older. Their Clay just got hurt. Will he ever be the same? Um, the West got harder. Mm-hmm. So I I will listen to any argument that says you don't think the Warriors are going to make another run at a title. The scary situation. Not quite there yet, but I want to yeah. see how this season plays out. The thing is, the scary situation next season is with Clay coming back off an ACL surgery. Let's just say that uh, Steph becomes the heroic um, Steph that we've seen in the past. He has these guys clinging on to a 7 8 mm-hmm. seed, and it's around the All Star break, and all of a sudden you start hearing, hey, Clay's, Clay, good. Clay's he's close. close. He's yep. a he's a week or two away. Mm-hmm. The rest of the West is like, holy bleep, will they not die? Right. Yeah, that's what it is. Like it'll be that meme where the Undertaker sits yeah, up in sits the middle up. of the ring and you hear, Bong! <laughs> yeah, you're and like the rest of the West is like, really, really, yeah. you couldn't just you know get out of the way. Yeah, I, if I was a Western team, I would not want anything to do with them in the first round of the playoffs. No, you don't. Just for history's sake, absolutely not. That that. Whoever they if they face, get in, of course, obviously okay. they have to get in, but I think yeah. they are. They've got to prove that they can hang with the rest of the West this coming season without Clay, et cetera. I get that, but if they do, if they're a seven, eight, six seed, maybe even a five seed, that they're, they're lo- that lower seed, whoever you're facing in that first round, they're that's going to be a battle. It's terrifying. That's why the West is so awesome it this is. upcoming yeah. season. Um, also in the NBA, it was leaked or reported or whatever that's. Uh, that the Christmas Day games mm-hmm. uh, will be uh, the Lakers and the Clippers. Not surprising. Not surprising at all. The Pelicans at the Nuggets. Little surprising. That's a get Zion on national it's the, television it's the, game. It's the Zion effect. Yep. Uh, Boston at oh, – Well, because New Orleans is going to get opening night treatment. You, you see oh, that? Yeah. So yeah. Zion Williamson, the number one pick, the sensation in the collegiate game, guess what? He's going to be on a lot of primetime games this year. And New Orleans may not be great, but it's just it's that effect. They're not going to be horrible, but I, yeah. they're not going to 
win a title or anything. But, yeah, that is the Zion effect. Uh, the Celtics at the Raptors. That one's a minorly surprising, but they are the defending champions, speaking of the Toronto Raptors, so they kind of get that treatment. Yeah, but I don't – should they? They're not going to be good. I think they'll be okay. They'll be a playoff team, but they're not well, – Yeah, they're, the they're not, they're, they wouldn't make the playoffs in the West. They're, no, they're nowhere near what they were, that's for sure. Who's, but, who's their best player? Uh, ooh, Kyle, Kyle Lowry still. Is it Siakam? Okay, actually, no, you're probably right. Siakam's ascending as I think Kyle Lowry's coming down. Yeah. Um, then also, let's see, the Rockets, uh, Golden State – that one was actually That'll surprising be, to me. It's not just because of all the stars on it. And I get the star power yeah. on it. And they want to see – it's going to be James Harden. I mean, it, for TV's sake, you got, you're got you going to have Russ Harden, Draymond, and Steph. Steph Curry on the same screen. Yeah, so that's – And it's not an all-star game. So exactly. So that's, you, you take that. Uh, that'll probably be your primetime game would be my guess. And then, uh, of course, Bucks at the Sixers, which I think – that's I mean that's a strong Eastern matchup. That might be the second best game of the day. Yeah, speaking, I'm just thinking the Clippers and Lakers yeah. on paper is the strongest matchup. So the only game I well, there's two games: the Pelicans, Nuggets, Celtics, Raptors. Those ones don't really scream Christmas Day game to me. But of course, the reason we're bringing it up is the Jazz played last year on well, Christmas. The thing. I wanted to ask you, and the Jazz are out this year. Is it buggy the Jazz aren't on Christmas this year? Uh, from a me, for a selfish reasons, no. You can enjoy your holiday. It, but yeah. it was, I'll say this, it was a fun atmosphere. Uh-huh. It You could feel the energy in here. Yeah. Uh, it was cool. Um, I think the Jazz deserved to be on a Christmas game. I think them playing the Blazers would have been just an excellent repeat. Yeah. It would have been in Portland this year, but I, I think uh, that would have been the smart play. Not sure why they decided to move on from the Jazz in that sense, but they'll probably play on Christmas Eve. I feel like would be my guess. They're so so what I what my thought is with this when I saw that come out, I was kind of like, why aren't the Jazz on that? But I was thinking about it. I almost feel like uh, the NBA is gonna it, for however long the Jazz and Nuggets are going to be good here. I think every other year you're probably gonna see one of those two teams on Christmas. Does that makes sense. So mm-hmm. last year the Jazz got it. This year the Nuggets get it. I would think next year, and Portland's probably in the same situation. They got they got it last year, and they'll probably be back on it next year. I would expect that the Jazz, you probably see them, if they go out and have the season we're kind of all expecting them to have this coming season, you could actually probably see Denver Jazz maybe the next year on Christmas. I wouldn't be surprised if they got a primetime 8.30 on Christmas Eve at it home. Su- it wouldn't surprise me in that regard, yeah. I think actually a lot of people would love that around here. Home game, Christmas Eve. Go home, go home and you get the day off the yeah. next day. So um, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that kind of game. I, I don't but know. But I am surprised the yeah. Jazz aren't on there just yeah. because of – I don't think – I mean, I understand well, I'm sure the Port- Pelicans. But yeah, the, well, the Portland's sitting there like, hey. We just got to the Western what, Conference Finals. What? Hello? Yeah. Like, yeah, I get it. But as you said earlier in the segment, Adrian, the West is going to be so much fun this year. Yeah. Like, they could go all Western teams on Christmas Day, and I'd be totally okay with it just because of all the intrigue and the matchups and whatnot. But they do – you have teams in the East. I'm glad they didn't put the Knicks on again this year because the Knicks seemingly get a Christmas game every year, but they didn't get it this year, thank goodness. I like how they're doing it. And, yeah, if the Jazz go and have the season that we expect them to have this coming year, I would expect that we're talking Christmas of 2021, that 2020, 2021 season, they probably are back on it. Yeah. Uh, in the NFL, we had a preseason game. Yeehaw! So it's back. Football is back. Brett Rippon throwing a touchdown pass. Hey, to former, former Boise State former Bronco. Boise State Bronco. Um, it's just there's nothing really to bring up other than now we, it's 26 straight weeks with mm-hmm. football, some sort of 
organized activity. I'm okay with that. So uh, we're all okay with that. I think mm-hmm. I'll be uh, watching the Vikings play the Saints in the preseason and not learning a thing. <laughs> no. but I, The whole debate about the NFL, they should go to the 18-game regular season, etc. Here's the thing. College football, they don't have preseason games. They start the season, and it's well, get I mean, going. Is an FCS game a preseason game? Yeah, but most people don't start off that first week with yeah. that FCS game. There's a lot of big-time matchups in week one, so you're off and rolling right away. I Well, for most teams, the season is yeah. conference play. It the is. The ones who are not competing for national titles. True. I would expect, and I want to see this, um, I, I want to see the NFL do away with the four yeah. preseason games uh, schedule. I think two max would be my ideal cup of tea. I'm not necessarily convinced that 18 game regular season is the correct answer in terms of yeah you take those two preseason games away or put them in the regular season. I don't think the players' association is going to be down with that. They've no. already expressed as such, but they do need to shorten the preseason. They up. could add if they want to add games, give guaranteed deals. Sweet, okay. I think yeah. the players would do that. Don't oh, you I've, think? No, I've had multiple players that have played in the NFL tell me if there were guaranteed money, like deals were guaranteed yeah. in the NFL guys would be a lot more willing to play ball with the NFL in terms of negotiating yep. certain things. Probably will never happen, but that's one thing you could put on the table if you if you felt yeah. like the NFL was that well, the set only, on the, adding games. The only way that the, the, the NFL players are going to get guaranteed deals is they're going to have to be like baseball. They're going to have to be willing to screw up a Super Bowl, like to yeah. strike and end a season essentially in order to force the owner's hands. Because right now, the NFL, the power is in the owner's hands. The, the the NFL Players Association is kowtowed for far too long, and it's going to take something drastic like screwing up a Super Bowl for them to get what they want. Yeah, and the problem there is with the average career only being three years, how do you convince exactly. a player who may only get the average uh-huh. yeah. to say, hey, hang them up for a year? Hang it up uh, for a year. No. Son. Yeah, no, you can. You've been in the league twenty years. If you want to do that, you can. But I yeah. got, I got to make some money before I have to go out into the world and find myself a it's job. It's true. Guys like Tom Brady, whatnot. Yeah, they they have plenty of money in the bank. They'd right. be okay, whatever. But some of these guys, like the practice squad oh, guys, yeah. who all of a sudden would be playing on, they'd be the replacement players. Right. Yeah. So that's the hard part with the NFL. Is there is you can't these it's hard these careers it. are so short yeah. that you, you you it's gonna it's gonna be hard to get everybody. And how many hundreds and hundreds of players are out there in the NFL. So that's an interesting conversation, and we may never get a good answer. Real no. quick, mm-hmm. uh, before we hit a break in college football, the Amway coaches poll, Okay, uh, not really the, – the poll I don't really – subscribe to but it's always fun because you know polls are fun what do you mean that you mean the amway sids poll yes exactly um one clemson two alabama three georgia four oklahoma five ohio state don't really have a problem with any of that Mm -hmm. i don't know how ohio state's gonna be but other than that not a big problem with any of that uh first teams of note that really for us matter Mm -hmm. uh 12 washington 13 oregon 15 utah uh makes the top 15 in that See, and also in the Pac-12, Washington State. And this 21. is why I don't subscribe to this poll is because Washington at 12, these these coaches and these SIDs who are really doing the poll for them pretty much took last year's final poll and were like, hmm, yeah, it looks good. Here you go. Oh, Stanford at 23 as well. But, yeah, it's a reputation thing. I mean, 
But at the same time, you could say Chris Peterson, as long as he's been a coach, has been able to get it done. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out. But I was kind of surprised to see Washington meeting the highest ranked. Yeah. I, I would have put Utah if I, I was Oregon or Utah. Yeah. Um, in the others receiving votes that matter, Boise State had 118. Okay. USC 47. Utah State coming in with 32 votes, and uh, Fresno State also with 32 votes. So. Not a lot there of surprising. You go. Yeah, Utah State's going to start outside the top 25, and they're going to have a chance to get into that top 25 yes. as the season goes along. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, coming up on the other side, it's time for technical fouls here on the Zone Sports Network and the Saturday show. We'll hand out some, uh, some fouls on some people who have misbehaved. That's all coming up next here on the Zone Sports Network. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Because that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal foul, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show. It is time for technical fouls. We reward stupidity in sports and other facets of life. Yes. With shame. Not a fan of stupidity. No, we're not. Although I am one of those people. Well, everybody is. Come on. Yes. Anyways, Adrian, where do you want to start today? Go ahead. You can go first. All right. Let's go to Georgia Southern University. All right. The mighty... Eagles. Eagles of yes. Georgia Th- Southern. Yes. Yep. They are they are a member of the Sunbelt Conference. Well, Georgia so- Southern starting quarterback Shai Wirtz, a great name in his own right, has been suspended from the team indefinitely after his arrest following a traffic stop on Wednesday night. Wirtz's team starting quarterback was allegedly going was going to be pulled over for speeding by Saluda South Carolina police after reportedly calling police to say he wanted to keep going and pull over to a more well-lit area. He did pull over. And that's where police allegedly found a substance on the hood of his car that Wirtz claimed was bird poop. This is where it gets interesting, though. Per police, the substance tested positive for cocaine. Oops. Wirtz has been charged with a misdemeanor for cocaine possession. Uh, Wirtz stated it was bird poop, and he tried to clean it at the beginning of the week at a local car wash. (laughs) Everything around him and inside his vehicle made him appear as a clean person, but the hood of his car was out of place, the report states. Wirtz denied knowing the origin of the cocaine, according to the report. The powder appeared to have been thrown on the vehicle and had been attempted to be washed off by windshield wipers and wiper fluid as there was white powder substance on areas of the wiper fluid dispensary, the officer wrote. Jeez, how much cocaine did they throw at this guy? I don't know. It's like a whole, like a whole brick. Here's like, the thing: Georgia Southern is actually a really good team. They went from two and ten in 2017 to a ten and three record a year ago. They run that triple option flex bone offense, and they're mm. actually a decent team. But this kid Oops. might be sitting out for a little while. Yeah. So, anyways, there you go. So, bad idea. Don't claim it's bird poop. <laughs> I also have a drug related one here. Okay. Uh, Stephen Jackson, uh, as you know, star yeah. running back of the Rams, uh-huh. signed a one year, one day deal. So that he could retire uh, as, a Ram? as a Ram. Okay. Pretty cool. A lot we see this all the time yes. in the NFL. Yes. Um he signed a one year or one day deal and the NFL contacted him and asked for a drug test. You've got to be kidding me. And uh he said he's not going to report to take the drug test. For a one day deal. They wanted a drug test him. Hey Roger Goodell. 
Cool it, buddy. The, uh, the NFL said uh, this, quote, this is done for all players who sign and have not had an annual test completed. I think you can change that rule up a little bit for guys who are on one-day deals just to retire. Yeah. Just let him right off into the <laughs> sunset. Really? A one-day deal, you have to have a drug test. It's like with Eric Reed when he signed with the Panthers, oh who gosh. like all of a sudden was getting randomly drug tested he had seven, every week. Seven straight weeks, I yeah. think, or something like that. Yeah. yeah, way to go. All right, we got time for one more real quick yeah. here. You got one? I got oh. a quick one, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so headline from today, McDonald's worker fired for refusing to serve paramedics, saying, we don't serve your kind here. To a first responder? Yeah, first responder walks in and uh, the that even person, <laughs> yeah, the employee said, well, we don't serve officers here. <laughs> he said, I'm not an officer. I'm a paramedic. And they said, well, anybody with a badge. Oh, my goodness. Told yeah. him, you're not welcome here. And Fire him. <laughs> so, yeah, apparently, uh, you know, fight the authority by not feeding the people that are going to save your life one day. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Wow. Okay, that's just a bad idea. Come on now. All right. Anyways. Wow. Okay, I got one more here. Anyone with a badge. Anyone with a badge. You're kind. No. All right. The Philly Fanatic. Most people know who the Philly Fanatic is. Big green, goofy character. Mm -hmm. The mascot for the Philadelphia Phillies. Well, the Philadelphia Phillies have filed a federal lawsuit in New York to retain uh, the Philadelphia Fanatic as their mascot because the company that helped them create it in the 1970s uh, Harrison Erickson is the name of the company, 30 years ago, is now trying to renege on a deal and make the fanatic, quote, a major league free agent. What? In the lawsuit, the Phillies say in 1984 they paid Harrison <laughs> and Erickson $215,000 for rights to the fanatic costume that would last, quote, forever. But according to the major league team, over the past year, the New York-based company has tried to terminate that agreement, believing it, quote, co- created the copyrighted character, unquote, Claims the Philadelphia claims that the Phillies have called quote legally baseless. Hmm. You're trying to make a the Philly fanatic. We're doing this. That's what we're doing in this world. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, they want millions of. Apparently, this Harrison Erickson uh, company wants millions of dollars to have the Phillies retain the fanatic. Wow. Where's the fanatic gonna go? This is like the. it's kind of it reminds me of when the Vikings had a problem with their mascot guy who wanted like a million and a half dollars to be oh, the mascot. Yeah, and they were like, "Yeah, no, no, <laughs> we give you free tickets and you sit front row. That's about all you're gonna get." Yeah, well, I'm, I deserve that money. Why? This Do is, you? That's weird. Hopefully, he stays in Philly. Okay. Like, where is he gonna go? Yeah, but to make him welcome up- the Washington fanatic, <laughs> the Salt Lake fanatic, the Salt Lake fanatic. <laughs> They want to make him a major league quote free agent, and that opens a whole big bu- like can of worms with you know, mascot you think- free agencies. Yeah. Yeah. Is the Jazz Bear all of a sudden going to be like, "Hey, guess what? I'm I'm moving to Milwaukee." <laughs> Suddenly, everybody just has to rebrand every couple of years. Oh my gosh! All your old merch. Is the gorilla is out of in style. Phoenix going to go to Memphis? Come on now. That is hilarious. So. Yeah, That's a good one. Technical foul on you, Harrison and Erickson. All right, coming on the uh, up on the other side, we will let you hear from Mark Harlan, athletic director at BY or at Utah, and uh, we'll don't let say you, it's a BYU. We'll let you hear from BYU uh-huh. as Jake had some interviews as well. Also, five minutes of soccer. There's a lot coming down the pipe here on uh, the Saturday show, so stay tuned here on the Zone Sports Network.